They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Hi and welcome to this next part of our series, Being Church, in which we are looking uh, at Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47, the passage you just heard read. Uh, over the past few weeks we have looked at how the first disciples were filled by the Holy Spirit, uh, we looked at their devotion, their moving in the power of God and last week their unity in the Spirit. Now today we look at their generosity and as in previous themes we see in their reality our example. Why is this important for us? Because generosity is the gateway to blessing in our own life, blessing in the lives of others, and we get to be part of blessing others and blessing God himself. It's one of the amazing features of the first group of Christians that they were so devoted to God and so committed to each other that they were willing to share what they had, little or loads, with their brothers and sisters in Christ. We read or heard read in Acts 2 that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And their example, starting in that moment, floods the pages of the New Testament. So for example, we can turn over just a page or two to Acts chapter 4 and we have their generosity unpacked for us in Acts 4.32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This wasn't just a first flush of enthusiasm for the richest among them, but that generosity was rooted in their culture. Because we can fast forward about 20 years and we read an account of the level of generosity in the early church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let me read it to you. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Now, how awesome is that? 
And Paul goes on to describe them as a people who excelled in the grace of giving. But what's that got to do with us? Here we are in a world of digital transactions, debit cards, credit cards, direct debit, standing orders, Bitcoin, the FTSE index and financial markets. Well, the call to be a generous person is not one that's limited to one era or another, one financial position or another. It's for all of us, every one of us. So in this message, I'd like to outline what I see are five principles of generosity that if taken on board will bless you, bless the church and please God. So principle number one, generosity matters to God. Now, of course, generosity as a value can be applied to all areas of our lives, our thoughts, our words, our time, our influence, our attention, belongings, but there's no doubt that from a biblical perspective, it must include how we deal with our money. So, for example, one in every four verses in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark and Luke deals with money. One in every six verses in the whole of the New Testament makes reference to money. And almost half of the parables of Jesus include money or its misuse. So, I think from my perspective, it's not possible to have a biblically sound Christian life that doesn't pay proper attention to the place of money in our lives. Generosity, what does that mean? It means giving what you don't need to give. It means unselfishly being willing, if necessary, to distribute what you have for the benefit of others. We read in that scripture in Acts 4 that from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. It wasn't everyone all of the time selling everything, so you get a bit of a sigh of relief there, but having it as part of our Christian thinking that I am willing, if prompted by the Lord himself, to make a sacrifice for the sake of others. Generosity means being open to God's promptings to bless others. Secondly, generosity starts with the heart. If you want to be a generous person, the first transformational work that God must do in us is to supernaturally change our mindset from considering ourselves owners of all our stuff to recognising that we are stewards of what God has given us. I absolutely love the example of King David recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. King David, he knew uh, that he was a steward, not an owner. Having donated what in today's money would have been just short of £600 million to the Temple Building Fund, he declares this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. Isn't this wonderful? We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honour come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. This is a king speaking, but who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honour your holy name, comes from you. It all belongs to you. Now, of course, we don't have, most of us don't have millions of pounds to activate 
this principle, but we can start where we are. Young people, adults, it's about the principle first. If this gets established in our life that God is the owner and we are the stewards, then God will entrust us with a great deal more. Think of all the stuff that you've got. Your bank account, your savings, your car, your cars, your home, your clothes, everything. What about declaring with me, just like King David, all this comes from you. It all belongs to you. Now, of course, this can be tough because we are pre-programmed to selfishness and gathering and ownership and holding and keeping and listing and attaining. I read a lovely story of a couple who had invested their whole life building a successful business. And as they approached the age of 59, they were planning retirement. And this is what he says. At age 59, I was heading into retirement looking for a nice lakeside house. Then God changed our plans and led Muriel and I to put our money and time into overseas mission. It's been exciting. Before, we gave token amounts. Now, we put substantial money into missions. Quote, it was realising God's ownership that got through to us. Once we understood we were giving away God's money to God's work, we had a peace and a joy we never had back when we thought it was all our money. Amazing, isn't it? That's a transformation that has to happen in us from owner to steward. That's a principle. Principle number three is that generosity flows from obedience. Now, what I mean by this is that throughout the Bible, we see a wonderful principle. First, there's a law in the Old Testament and then a grace in the New, that we each of us bring the first part of everything we produce back to the Lord. In the Old Testament, the firstborn of all the flocks was to be sacrificed because the firstborn belonged to God. The first crop from the fields was to be brought to God. First crops, first fruits, because they belonged to him. The first 10% of our income, a tithe, is to be brought to the Lord because it belongs to him. So actually, we're not giving when we tithe. We are bringing, we are returning to God that first 10% which belongs to him. Now, of course, everything belongs to him, but we're starting with that first part, that 10%. And this actually is for our blessing and for the blessing of others. In Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse 10, there's a well-known verse for most of us here, uh, which encourages us to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Amazing, isn't it? This principle of uh, 10% is wonderfully explained by uh, Canon J. John. You may have seen this short video, but let's just have a, a little look at this story from J. John. There was a man at an airport and he wanted to buy a bag of very small donuts and a coffee. So he buys his bag of small donuts and he buys his coffee and he's looking for somewhere to sit. But all the tables are all taken. But there's one table where there's one man sitting and he thinks, oh, I'll just go and sit opposite him. So he goes there, he puts his coffee down, he puts his bags down, he gets his coat off, puts it on the chair, sits down, <sighs> opens his coffee, has a sip, picks up the bag of donuts, opens it, takes out a donut, starts eating it, puts the bag down. 
The man opposite stretches over, picks up the bag of donuts, opens it, takes out a donut, starts eating it, puts the bag down, smiles. The other man cannot believe what he has just seen. He cannot believe that the man has just stolen one of his donuts. He's thinking, what, I mean, what is the world coming to? What is the world? But then he thinks, well, maybe, you know, the guy's not quite there or, you know, he better not say anything in case the guy kind of erupts and he's violent. But he gives him one of these, if looks could kill look. <laughs> he picks up the bag of donuts, he takes out another donut and he moves it near to his coffee, <laughs> as far away from the other man. While he's sipping his coffee, the man stretches over, <laughs> picks up the bag, takes out another donut, starts eating it, puts it on the table, pushes it back, smiles. The other guy can't believe it. He's done it twice. <laughs> he's stolen two of my donuts. He's amazed. He can't believe it. He's really angry. But he decides not to say anything. Anyway, the man gets up to leave. So the other man thinks it's about time you left, you donut thief. <laughs> he put his coat on, he picked up his bag, he then picked up the bag of donuts. There's one donut inside. He takes it out, he breaks it in half, he puts half in his mouth, puts half on the bag, he moves the bag, he smiles, he waves, off he goes. The other guy thinks, I'm not touching that donut, you donut thief. You're probably full of infection. <laughs> anyway, he looks at his watch. Oh, it's time for me to go. He gets up, he puts his coat on. He then bends down to pick up his bag and sitting on top of his bag was his bag of donuts. <laughs> complaining he was complaining that the other man was stealing his donuts when in fact the other man was sharing his donuts now listen to me listen to me God owns all the donuts And we're complaining. We're complaining, and God owns all of them. He owns all the donuts. Listen, every week we get a bag of donuts. God gives us a bag of donuts every week. Inside there are 10. God says, take one of the 10 and give it to the church that you go to. Okay, that's called tithing. Okay? So you give a donut to the church that you go to. Right? They're God's donuts, so don't complain. They're all God's donuts. He just says, give one, give one to the church that you're part of. So important, isn't it? Yeah, that, now you're left with nine, and you need 11. <laughs> hey, I need 11, I've just given one away. I've only got nine. And what is incredible is, if you need 11 or you need 12, somehow, somehow, the nine becomes 12. Somehow the nine becomes what you need.
That's awesome, isn't it? Funny, but uh, get straight to the point. All the donuts, everything we have comes from the Lord and we're invited to bring back that tenth. In Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10 we read this, Honour the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wine. Now of course uh, we're not motivated simply for what we get but for the sheer joy of being obedient to God. Our generosity fills the storehouse of the church so that needs could be met for others and needs can be met. Because everything we have is from him and we are stewards, we position ourselves to more easily respond to the needs of others. I think it's one of the wonderful things about being a church community that because each individually gives into the church, we can corporately, as it were, give to the needs of individuals as they arise. The needs of individuals, the needs of ministries at home and abroad. Um, at Harvest here, our last church accounts record that of our £142,000 unrestricted income, we gave away 13000 of that. And I think that's awesome. Uh, and I want to recognise that, that as we as individuals are generous, so as a whole church family at Harvest, we want to be generous towards others too. So that was number three. Now, of course, I want to recognise that often generosity is not easy. In fact, my fourth principle is this, that generosity is a journey. I found it quite helpful to think uh, in, in a diagrammatic little way from generous, obedient, and, well, I'm using the word stingy here for a reason you'll see in a moment or two. It's, a, it's used in the Bible. It's actually the opposite of generous, close-fisted, tight-fisted, selfish, stingy or tight. So that's the opposite of generous. So we have the staircase here that goes from uh, stingy, if you like, through obedience, uh, obedience being that 10% that we've just talked about, through to being generous. I just want to take a moment to share uh, my journey uh, in this whole area and, and I hope that it will be an encouragement to you. I was not brought up in, in a wealthy home. Both my parents were incredibly hardworking, but I think it's fair to say that we fluctuated between plenty and lack, and things were tight from time to time. What I discovered in my own life when I grew up and became an adult was that this had created in me a tendency towards what I would call a poverty mindset. That is, I was never believing that I'd ever have anything good, that I would never have enough that I had to take care, if you like, of my own donuts to go back to J. John's image there. And as I realised this, God did a work in me and on me, and I came to trust and to follow him. Financially, that had an impact, and I began from the, really from the first week that I became a Christian, uh, financially tithing. Some years later, when Heather and I got married, we carried on that tithing on our net income and giving uh, a week's salary to missionary service once a year when the opportunity arose. So we were heading up towards that uh, obedient line, if you like, on our little uh, stairway here. But God's provided for us in so many ways over the years. Many stories of miracle provision just in time. I, I could take an hour to tell you, but I just want to confirm that that's true and that encouraged us to try and up our giving. We wanted to move from being obedient, which is a good thing of course, to being generous and so we started to tithe on our gross income 
so that we were genuinely and literally giving the first 10% and the best to the Lord ahead of the tax office and everybody else who has a piece of your salary. And even over the last three years, we have been increasing that 10% by 1% a year and giving over and above that tithe. Now, I'm not saying this to make out that we are clever, but just to share the journey that it is actually possible to do so. We, we try to share our generosity in practical ways too, directly to others. So both Heather and I, in our personal money, we have a little bit of money put aside. Um, I call it my generosity fund in my Monzo account on my phone. It's called that. Uh, and we use that little bit of money to be responsive to the Lord's promptings. And my experience has been that because I'm asking him, can, is there someone I can be generous to? Sometimes he'll put someone in the church into our mind uh, uh, and with an amount, and we will just send that to the person as quietly as possible, sometimes anonymously through a, a friend. Other times, I've been prompted to pay for someone's groceries. Uh, I remember many occasions when uh, I just hear Jesus says, pay for the groceries, and I lean forward and say, well, I hope you won't be offended, but would you let me pay for your groceries? And I usually say it's like this. I'm a Christian. God has been so generous to me and I want to be generous to others. You'll, you'll be helping me be generous. So other times, just pay for someone's bill at a cafe or a restaurant on the condition that the waitress doesn't tell them that it was me. And I just love to see their reaction when they find out their bill has been paid. That generosity is so, so lovely. So it's a journey and I'd like to encourage all of us just to do and figure out with God what our next step is. Because quite simply, and I'll finish with this fifth principle, is that generosity is incredibly rewarding. In Proverbs 11, 24, 25, in the message paraphrase, we read this. I just love these verses. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Now, obviously, being generous helps someone else in their time of need, but it does something in our lives too. That's my testimony and many thousands more Christians that in seeking to live a generous life, I have received far more in return than I've ever given out. Now, of course, that's not the core motivation. The core motivation is the incredible generosity of Jesus towards me, towards us. When, I, when we think of all that Jesus did for us, giving everything of himself for everyone, none of whom deserved that gift, the gift of eternal life and relationship with God. It's amazing. Even at our most generous, even if we try to outgive God, we never could. He has been so, so generous to us. In my preparation for this message, I came across uh, this lovely one-liner testimony. I love this. I shovel out the money and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. His generosity, it's amazing, dwarfs ours. So let us be grateful and thankful for all that he has done. So there you have it. Five uh, principles of generosity. Generosity was so part of the early church and we're invited to follow their good example. I hope you found this message inspiring, informative, and encouraging. And I'd like to conclude by just letting, uh, praying for you. Would you let me pray for you? 
Father God, I thank you for everyone who is in the sound of my voice right now. I pray that you will grow in me and in them a greater sense of gratitude for all that you have done in us. Would you bless them abundantly as they travel on their journey of generosity. Thank you, Father God, for all that you've done for us. Would you bless us and encourage us and use our resources. We hand them over to you in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for sharing this message with me today at Harvest Church. It means a lot to me. Uh, Harvest meets every Sunday in Hamilton in central Scotland. And if you're nearby, we would love for you to join us to experience the whole worship gathering in person. If you can make it in person, please come along. We'd love to see you. If not, we will be right here on YouTube. And I hope that you come back next week for the next part in this series. In the meantime, if there's any way that I or the team here at Harvest can serve you, please drop us an email uh, at info at harvesthamilton.org or get in touch via this um, uh, address you can see here, harvesthamilton.org.uk slash qrconnect, qrconnect, that's our contact page. And you'll also find there links to our social media. So thanks again, praying that you have a wonderful and great week. Till next time, grace and peace to you.